Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. We're now joined by Manny Navarro. He works for TheAthletic.com. He covers Miami. We have not discussed their win yet. What an impressive win, and it wasn't easy. They were struggling a little bit early, but they flashed a lot of the glitz and glamour of Miami football. Manny, thanks for your time. How impressive was that? And it seemed like there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, maybe the energy has returned to the University of Miami football program. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think there's energy and there's confidence. Um, I think, first of all, it starts with Tyler Van Dyke. You know, you, you look at a young man who was really, really impressive, won the ACC Rookie of the Year Award two years, and then just took what, what everyone felt was a giant step back last year with the change at offensive coordinator. Mario Cristobal goes out, brings in Shannon Dawson from Houston, who Tyler was actually involved in the interview process, went met with him, and uh, the two got along well. And uh, ever since uh, Shannon Dawson stepped on campus, it feels like there's a different vibe to this offense, and that's really what was missing last year. You saw it on Saturday against AM. Tyler Van Dyke was uh, throwing balls all over the place. Uh, they, they call him Tyler Van Dyne. That's the, uh, the nickname, right? Uh, and and you know, his receivers were, were confident. They were making plays in, in ways that they just didn't do it last year. Five touchdowns in that game had 10 all of last season. Manny, this, uh, they have 17 guys that, that transferred in uh, this last year, and a lot of them contributed to that big win, and that has, has kind of changed their depth. We've seen that across the country. It appears that Mario Cristobal knew exactly who he wanted in the portal. Um, what do you attribute his ability to kind of zero in and not do what some guys do? Like, look, we need a left guard. Let's go get the three left guards that are in there and see what happens. Because it appears that he's hitting on a lot of cylinders when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to have a really good staff, right, that's prepared uh, for the moment they, they hear any rumbling, hey, this guy might be going in the portal, be prepared. So so when that name pops in there, you're first in line. You're not you're not getting beat to the punch. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new game, right? It's something everybody is just really getting used to here in the last five years of, of college football, and uh, you get better at it. And, and they got better at it in year two than they did the first time around when he first, you know, set up foot on campus and was sort of uh, scrambling and, you know, he, he got two huge pickups in the port on that offensive line. One of them was Matt Lee, the center, who, who came over from UCF, and then Javian Cohen, who uh, was starting left guard for two years uh, at Alabama. And both of those guys uh, really helped solidify the middle of that offensive line, allowed some guys to play at positions that they're better suited for, uh, and, and allowed Miami to really, I think, do a terrific job against A&M on Saturday protecting Tyler Van Dyke. Do you think the final score was indicative of exactly how good Miami was? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly 48 points uh, sort of drove that point home. Uh, obviously, they gave up, uh, you know, had some special teams blunders that helped A&M get into the end zone. And, uh, you know, but uh, look, in, in the end, I mean, I thought A&M was going to come in and win that game. I just wasn't expecting Miami to, to have some of the offensive success they did. I, I thought for sure A&M would be able to get to the quarterback. And, and put more pressure on Tyler. I thought A&M would have a better day 
uh, in, on pass defense. So I, I picked the Aggies to win that game coming in. And, uh, you know, what I saw really, like I said, was a flashback to the Tyler Van Dyke that I saw at the end of the 21 season when he was lighting up uh, Pittsburgh, uh, who went on to win that ACC championship that year. I mean, they, they scored a bunch of points against that team. Um, and, and they just played really confidently down the stretch. And that's what that's what we're seeing again. We're seeing an offense that can score a lot of points. Um, you know, they ended up winning by 15. Um, it, it probably could have been more if they don't make those special teams blunders early in the game. I, I really felt that at halftime they took control of that game. Manny, it's a place in Miami that if they're not good or they're not entertaining, then it's a tough place to fill. But, but the fans, it's kind of like in L.A. You know, it's kind of glitz and glamour. Do you feel like the way they played and how they won might get more people locked in at least early on until they maybe don't win? Or, or is this now a, a fan base that kind of understands who they are? No, I mean, I, listen, I, I think this fan base has always been this way. You go back decades to when they played in the Orange Bowl. I remember going to the Orange Bowl as a kid growing up in the city and, and being there for a lot of games where uh, the place is empty. When they when they played, you know, big, big East teams like Temple and Rutgers and like, you know, in order to get the Miami fan base out there, you've got to be playing a great team. It's usually a Florida Florida State rivalry that brings everybody out. That's when you see the sellouts. Uh, even a, a, another SEC team like Texas a and it's just, you know, they had 48,000 there. But I will say this, when, when those 48,000 get there and they, and they like what they see, they can get pretty loud. And I thought at times on Saturday that place was as electric as it's been the last five or six years. Yeah, man, that that was definitely true. It was it was starting to hop, especially uh, that kick return really set everybody off. Um, I did. I was a little bummed. I'm sure as someone who grew up there, uh, you know, they honored Howard Schnellenberger, who who built the the first wave of the Miami dynasty. I just. I do miss because I grew up in Florida too, and even though I'm a Florida State grad, I appreciate the the lethal nature of the Orange Bowl. When they had to just put up a like a, a temporary banner as opposed to something permanent in a stadium of their own, I just I just I wish for them they had a place that that they could have Howard Schellenberger on the wall forever. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's sad, but you know this has been Miami's reality from the get go. You know they've always been that that relatively small private school, and and it's supported by the city and and you know having grown uh grown up and born and raised in the city i mean i, I it happens with every sports team here right when the miami heat are unbelievable uh it's really hard to get a ticket when the dolphins are phenomenal it's really hard to get a ticket in this town but when you when you go five and seven and seven and five and eight and four and you do that for 20 years it sort of kills the excitement i think if, if miami had its own on-campus stadium Maybe it'd be different. Maybe you'd get a lot more students out there. But even still, it's a small private school. You still need the city to support it. So, um, you know, maybe one day down the road that happens through this program. But I think right now they've got the right head coach. They've got an administration that wants to see the football program succeed. They're pumping a lot of money into it. They have a successful NIL collective. All the things that they need to do, the winning on the field is here. Now they just got to go out there and do it. They don't have – Florida State till later. And, and again, because of who they have been lately, they need to worry about week to week, even with Bethune-Cookman and then Temple. Uh, North Carolina in about a month. Uh, does Because of what we've seen with Clemson, and then, of course, there is Florida State on right now, the highest of the stratosphere, it, does this give them hope that they can kind of hang around in the ACC if they can um, copy at least what we saw Saturday? Yeah, I certainly think so. I mean, obviously, if, if that's the same Clemson team that they're going to be facing, the one that lost to Duke, 
uh, on opening night. If, if Clemson's not getting much better uh, by then, then I think Miami does have a chance to, to beat them here at home, uh, especially with the kind of offense that they've got rolling right now. So, uh, it, you know, look, it's the ACC, obviously, it's, it's Florida State's the, the, the cream of the crop right now. They look like the best team hands down. Uh, they don't have to face Miami doesn't have Duke on the schedule. You mentioned the North Carolina game. It really comes down to those two games, uh, North Carolina on the road and Clemson uh, here at home. If they're able to win those two games, and I think I could see them being undefeated going into, into Tallahassee at the beginning of November. Man, that, that would really be phenomenal for this league to have Miami and Florida State playing at that kind of a level. Manny, thank you. Impressive start, especially after the early start, but impressive win for Miami at Mario Cristobal with the win against Texas A&M. Thank you for your time. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. This has been a Rogue Media Network 